committed to this idea. And obviously the, the, the link with Italy is, is Rome. So I just started thinking, okay, I want to do something tying in Rome just because that is where I have my manic episode. Um, so then I thought Rome, Rome to home, ah, Rome to home. And then that just stuck with me. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we talk to athletes, adventurers, and business owners from around the world of adventure sports. Whether you're climbing Mount Everest, starting a bike shop, or getting up off your couch to take your kids hiking for the first time, we want you to have the motivation and inspiration you need to chase that next adventure. The Adventure Sports Podcast is brought to you by Camp Crate, the leaders in fully planned self-guided backpacking adventures, as well as backpacking gear rental. You can check them out at campcrate.net. So there's this new backpacking food company called Peak Refuel. And honestly, I, I gave them a shot for my last backpacking trip. Y'all, it was literally the best backpacking food I've ever had in my life. I was so impressed by them that I wanted to reach out and get a deal for our listeners. So if you keep listening to the episode, I'll tell you how to save 20% off an order with them. Hey friends, check out Powder7.com, new sponsor for the Adventure Sports Podcast. I've worked with these guys for a couple of years, and two of my sons have bought their most recent pairs of skis there. What's cool is that while they do sell new skis, they also sell previously used demo skis. And these demo skis come with demo bindings, so no need to remount anything. And they are sold for less than half of what you would have to pay otherwise. Great deal, great website, great people. Check out powder7.com. Hello and welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. This is your host, Kurt Linville. Hey, I've got a really neat story for you today. Dan Keeley has joined us from the UK, and he has quite the story to tell, but he has set a mission for himself to make an impact, to make a real difference in the world, especially for men who are struggling with all sorts of depression. And we'll get into why that is. But starting on August the 25th of this year, Dan is going to run from Rome all the way back to the UK, and he's calling it the Rome to Home. It is <laughs> 1,250 miles of self-supported running, but he's not doing it just for the fun of it. He's doing it to raise awareness about depression, especially among men, and to raise awareness about other things that, that face us, that can cause struggles throughout the, our lives. So, Dan, welcome to the program. We want to hear a lot more about this. Yeah, Curtis. Oh, my gosh. What an introduction. Thank you so much. And uh, I've been really looking forward to this. I've been listening to your show for some time. um, And, you know, just hearing somebody uh, really engaged with what I'm doing and and put it so succinctly as that is really kind of you. And, yeah, that's a, a really lovely introduction. It's great to be here. Well, it is our honor to have you on the show, and we're behind you 100% on what you're doing here. Really, really cool stuff. But let's, before we dive into everything, let's get your backstory. So, right now you're in Kent, and you yeah. informed me that Kent is considered the Garden of England. What a beautiful <laughs> thing. So, you live yeah, in Seven Oaks right. there. Tell us about Kent. Yeah, it's gorgeous. I mean, I grew up in the southeast of England, so the neighboring county to Kent is called East Sussex. So I grew up on the south coast, uh, not too far from Brighton, which is a pretty famous city on the south coast. Um, So I grew up in Eastbourne and it was an amazing childhood down there. Um, I don't want to skip ahead too much, but basically after graduating from university, we moved into London, uh, as many people do, obviously. Uh, Had a great, uh, I think it was six or seven years we spent around there bouncing around. And then, you know, we just missed the greenery. And so we thought, what better place than to, yeah, as you say, move to the Garden of England. And uh, yeah, we've been down here in Seven Oaks for, for a year now, and it's just between our two families, and we couldn't be much happier. It's a gorgeous place to be. Mm, very cool. <laughs> and you also mentioned that as you were growing up, you were very active in sports, uh, playing football, soccer, right? Football, yeah. lacrosse, and you ultimately became a ski instructor, which led to your current career. Yeah, that's right. 
that's right um yeah so yeah I've always been super sporty actually so I think it was always evident you know from a really young age that I was going to be uh channeling myself into a career path within sports or, or sports development I've always been really passionate about um harnessing the power of sport and physical activity to get people active and ultimately for others to feel the benefits that I've enjoyed ever since I was a uh, a young kid. So yeah, I mean, growing up, I remember being taken to tennis practice three times a week, football training and matches twice a week. If I wasn't doing that, I was down at the local judo club. If I wasn't doing that, I was playing frisbee in the park or mountain biking. I was in my back garden, knocking a ball against the wall. Um, and yeah, I'm just so grateful to my parents for um, installing that um, yeah, just that gift, really. You know, it's been it has been a gift to, um, you know, to, to now be uh, 31 as I am uh, and to feel like I've, I'm still continuing with that same enjoyment I had as a kid. So, yeah, you mentioned lacrosse. That was a real highlight. So when I was at university, I was a national standard lacrosse player with the South of England lacrosse team. Just an amazing couple of seasons there. And you mentioned the skiing instructing. So I was lucky enough to go on a school ski trip when I was younger, Kurt. I think I was 12 or 13 years old. And I remember clicking into my skis for the first time at that age. And, and oh, man, it was just so addictive straight away. And I knew that this was something I really wanted to uh, to apply myself to. So uh, a little later on in life, yeah, I worked two jobs back to back to save up to get myself out to the Alps. And it's really nice to be talking to you today as a qualified level two instructor, um, having spent a couple of seasons in the Alps um, you know regularly really for the past few years and uh, yeah it's led into what I do now day to day which is a really uh, privileged position to be in. Well let's let's spend a little bit of time talking about what you are doing day to day before we start talking about this epic run that you're taking on here. (laughs) So you are currently working with a snow sports youth charity called Snow Camp yeah. And this is a charity that takes kids out onto the mountain to teach them to ski, to give them a greater awareness of the opportunities that are in the world and to help these kids kind of along their way. Give us the details on that. It sounds really awesome. Yeah, it really is awesome. It's such a privileged uh, project. I'm going to call it a project. It's just, uh, you know, just a passionate, innovative lifestyle sport charity. It's been going for 13 years. So back in uh, 2012, I was lucky enough to be um, uh, given the position of the snow sports community manager. So, um, yeah, it's it's just a dream position where, um, you know, we partner with um, the snow sports industry here in the UK. Um, And ultimately, the aims of the charity always have been to develop. So, yeah, the young people that we support as a charity are generally aged uh, 15 to 21. Some Sometimes they're a little bit younger, but these are inner city kids. These are uh, kids from disadvantaged areas. Maybe they're not in education or employment or just need some direction or need a leg up in life. Maybe they're caught up in the wrong crowds. Um, and so what we do as a charity is we actually get, take them away from that inner city environment. And we're really lucky in the UK, Kurt, to have six indoor snow centres and a whole plethora of dry ski, uh, dry ski slopes right across the UK. So we've got these amazing facilities where we can take these young people out of the inner city environment, get them to the ski slopes. And then ultimately, the aims of the charity are to develop life skills uh, to gain qualifications and ultimately vocational uh, and employment opportunities uh, in the snow sports industry and beyond. So we've got a year-long journey of programs. Uh, the young people have to stick with us. They have to show their their willing and their passion, and the, and uh, you know they can see where their peers have got to from the year before. And then eventually they are really fortunate to go out with us to the mountains, and they actually shadow instructors out there, um, and then they qualify as instructors themselves, which is just amazing. And you know after 13 years of uh, doing what we do as a charity we're we're definitely in our most exciting chapter yet because uh we're just getting this incredible media attention uh at the moment kurt and it's just a really um passion driven charity you know and uh it was a real honor for me to fuse the two together so like i said i qualified as a ski instructor in 2011 uh but my background has always been in sports development so to fuse the two together and channel that into my uh position which uh, i'm lucky enough to say that i've been there for five years now um yeah it is a real honor and uh it's a pretty unique setup given we don't have that much snow uh, over here in the uk <laughs> right you don't have that much snow and you don't have the big mountains either so that's that's exactly. really cool very cool mm-hmm. i have said on the show in the past and some of the long-term listeners have had me or heard me say it before but i'm going to say it again <laughs> when i say at the end of the show get out there and have some fun 
<laughs> and you know, I it's a loaded statement. There are lots of connotations there, and what you just described is a perfect example. If we find our passion and we begin yeah. to pursue it and live that passion, it seems like it can often lead to an opportunity, not just for a career, but also to make a difference in the world for others. And yeah. so some people think get out there and have some fun sounds kind of selfish or hedonistic, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm saying, oh, just go have fun. No, the reality is go find your passion and live it, and you'll make a difference on the planet. And that's what you're doing, and that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited to have you here today. <laughs> yeah, Kurt. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you all the way, my man. That's just uh... – yeah, I couldn't have said it better. You're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Yeah, tons of fun here. So you mentioned to me also that this isn't your first time to run, but this is going to be the first time to do anything of this size. But you've already completed the London Marathon. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit about that. I, I know we yeah. have hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of listeners out there who are like, yeah, I've always thought about doing a marathon, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> how does a person do a marathon how does a person do a marathon uh do you know what the other first person who's asked me that question Kurt? <laughs> i think even 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 when i did it i don't think anybody actually said oh man could you could you tell me your secrets i don't think i had any secrets uh, and so how can somebody do a marathon I, I would um do you know what actually do you know what i would say curtis bearing in mind that the 2017 london marathon is this saturday it's tomorrow um or is it sunday anyway it's this weekend so so it's all good timing this if i if i if anybody hears this uh either prior to this weekend or after this weekend what i'd say to them is just tune in and have a look at the whole spectrum of people who are taking on the london marathon and just really listen to their stories and pay attention to the different caliber of people taking on um these challenges not just a marathon but pay attention to all these you know uh, long distance challenges out there can anybody do a marathon i don't know i'm not the person to answer that question uh but what i would say is just you know just have a look at these um uh yeah the whole range of different people doing it and think you know can you see a little bit of yourself in these other people you know what are their stories how did they get to the point of standing on that start line looking ahead to do 26.2 miles which is a long way it is definitely a long way but you know listen to their stories see if you can work out their secrets and you know perhaps when i'm chatting to people about uh, Rome to home shortly, Curtis, then, you know, there may be one or two people out there that gleam a little bit of inspiration from what I'm doing and perhaps can join the dots like I have done to get myself to this position where I'm now four months away from taking on the adventure. So sorry, that's not a more articulate answer. I I would never say I'm a professional with uh, trying to advise people how to get to the start line of a marathon. But yeah, just uh, just (laughs) just see if you can gleam some inspiration from others. That's that's, I guess, the best bit of advice I can give. I agree. I I agree completely because when people get inspired, then they're willing to try new things. And you don't have to run 26 miles the first time out the door, right? But what you can do is to begin to go out and do what you love to do and see where it leads you. So Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And, and just, and yeah, just on that, Curtis, you, you just reminded me of something which I've always felt, you know, I'm a massive fan of any project that shines a spotlight on the benefits of physical activity, any, any project. And of course, we had the London Games in 2012. And it was an amazing time for our country over here. You know, I lived just up the road from London, and it was just such an incredible time for our city, you know, and then, then in the six months and the years, and, the, you know, even now, we're, we're five years on from there. You know, I've always felt like, you know, the stories of the people who got to where they were to to take on the uh, to become an Olympian, that's just as powerful as the facilities. You know, it's just as powerful as you know the, the financial backing to uh, improve these sites or you know develop the Olympic Park. And we're talking about the legacy project there. But you know, inspiration is a product in its own right. And uh, I think the more people that can get out there and inspire others to do things, the better, especially in schools and with young people. So yeah, thanks for kind of reaffirming that, Curtis. It's great to speak to one of my kind. Oh sure, you bet. We're on the same page for sure. So. You have a special, um, a special concern and care about the dangers of depression. I mentioned that in the interview, mm-hmm. and uh, you shared a statistic with me that says that 12 men take their lives every single day in the UK. Yeah. And so if you multiply that for the rest of the planet, that's shocking. We're talking about thousands of people dying yeah. because of... Special challenges primarily with depression. 
And uh-huh. you have a unique story of your own that personalizes this a little bit. Would you be willing to share that with us? Yeah, absolutely. I, I could uh, share this with you all day long, Curtis. I really could. Let's see what we can do in the next uh, 45 minutes. Um, so just to say on that, you, you say, you know, that statistic, it, it cuts me up every time. It really does. And you can probably hear a bit of a tear in my in my voice. The fact that 12 guys today would have taken their their own life in the UK. And it's just not good enough. It's just not good enough. Um and, you know, I want to play my part in doing something about this, Curtis. So I'll get to my story in a second. But what, what I'd like to uh, share with you as a positive thing is that there's actually a, a, a great deal of attention being put into mental health in the UK at the moment. And if you do tune into the London Marathon this weekend, you'll see that it's going to be uh, tagged to the Mental Health Marathon this year because uh, Prince Harry and William and and uh, Kate, God bless them. They're getting behind the London Marathon with their own their own stuff there. So um, there's some really positive things happening in the UK right now, Curtis, and it's really great to to see that. And uh, I guess what I'm going to share with you in a minute, um, particularly as we lead towards why I'm taking on this big adventure this year, um, if I can play my part in reducing the number of guys that freaking take their own life every day in the UK, then I'll I'll you know I'll sleep a happy man. Um, and, uh, yeah, hopefully I can make a bit of a difference. So sorry for that lead in there, but, uh, here we go. So, so yeah, um, where do you want me to start Curtis? So yeah, let's start with what happened in Italy. Okay. Yeah. Let's go there. Okay, guys. So, um, wow. Yeah. Italy. Uh, so cutting to the, the short story guys. So basically in the summer of 2012, I had a full blown manic episode in Italy. And when I say full blown, I got to the point where I believed I was the chosen one. It was it was crazy. It was off the scale. It was unbelievable. And to paint the picture of how I got to that point, um, I'm just going to have to take you back a little bit. So like I said, I've always been that passionate, energetic, enthusiastic, first to training, last one to leave, <laughs> always smiling, positive guy i've always been that person you know that that's what i pride myself on and it's still what i pride myself on today so in 2012 uh like i said curtis i managed to fuse my passion for snow sports together with my background in sports development and when i started at the charity at that time i felt like i'd made it i felt like i'd almost crossed the finish line if you like and from that, you know, from when I got the uh, position and when I started on day one, I started having these great ideas. I liked to think at the time of, you know, the impact that I could have for the charity and these different events that we could develop and these partnerships that we could build and the thousands of young people that we were going to ultimately end up supporting as a charity. And I started reaching out to uh, well-connected people to try and get their buy-in to some of my ideas. And I started just, um, I, I just I just had all these ideas that were just starting to flow out of me. And I started to feel like if I didn't get these ideas out of my system, I was just going to explode. So we're talking about January 2012. And from day one, um, I just couldn't take my foot off the accelerator, Curtis. So I really wasn't looking after myself too well. You know, I wasn't sleeping that, you know, there were, there were stretches where I'd go for almost three weeks straight, having two hours sleep a night. I was getting up, yeah, if I wasn't asleep, I was I was just awake trying to get all these creative ideas down on paper. I wasn't really eating properly because, quite honestly, spending an hour in a kitchen prepping a, a really nutritious meal, I felt like I was wasting my time because I, I, I ultimately I was thinking, you know, the impact that I could have for this charity, why can't I apply that to society? Why can't I apply that to my local county? Why can't I apply that to the United Kingdom? And hey, if I'm going to go that far, I may as well try to see if I could change the world with these beliefs and these contacts and this confidence and, you know, all this dopamine that was just pumping through my body and this conviction and this self-belief that I could genuinely get out there and and, uh, and change the world. But the problem was, Curtis, that, um, you know, all my friends and family, they, they honestly just thought that I was on this really positive trajectory. Um, and so, like I said, I just couldn't take my foot off the accelerator. And, uh, and there were some warning signs. If we look back on that time now, there were definitely many uh, warning signs that we should have uh, maybe picked up on collectively, but we didn't. Nobody did. I didn't, you know, and, and I'll take full responsibility that, you know, it, it felt good. I couldn't deny at the time that, you know, it felt like you've almost got Red Bull pumping through your, through your veins and, 
at that time, it just felt too good. And so I just absolutely rode that wave. The problem was that, that it was going to absolutely end up in tears. So, yeah, like I said, it's, uh, where were we with Italy? So the culmination of uh, my manic episode in Italy, like I said, was believing that I was blimming the chosen one. And at the very heights of the episode, Curtis, uh, I actually ended up stood in the middle of a major motorway at 5 p.m. Um, at rush hour in northern Italy. And so um, just before that, you know, we're going out on holiday. Everybody is just telling me to slow down and just switch off my phone and take a breath. But, of course, I couldn't. I, I physically couldn't slow myself down. So we get out to Italy. Um, I started writing this book, which I believed was going to be the New Age Bible that was going to change the world. I believed I was the next Mark Zuckerberg, the next Mark, uh, Steve Jobs. I was giving away my possessions. And then obviously, um, you know, my fiance at the time, um, she, uh, yeah, she obviously saw that things weren't right. So she called my family out. Um, so my, my mother, God bless her, and George's mother came out um, to Italy. Uh, and during that time, George was trying to get me to the hospital. So on the way, um, we're driving along a motorway, and I felt like I had to change the world now, Curtis, because like I said, this was this was after six months of this adrenaline just pumping through my body, feeling like there's so much suffering going on out there, and I wanted to do something about it, and I wanted to do it now. And if I didn't, I was going to explode. So anyway, I, 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 I get out the car. We pull the car over on this motorway. I'm, I'm just strolling down the hard shoulder. I stop the slow lane. I stop the middle lane. I stop the fast lane. And I felt like this was it. I'm the one who's going to show the world how to slow down wow. and follow. I know, and slow down <laughs> and follow their hearts. And believe it or not, you know, I, I, was, I took pretty much all my clothes off. I was just down to my khaki shorts, and I, I just let I let one car go at a time, clapping them on just to take a breath and slow down and follow their hearts. And the irony of this is, obviously, is that I'm gonna tr- I'm trying to go at super speed. I'm trying to go at you know uh, at light speed to try and make the world slow down that's not mm. the way to go about it if you're going to go about something like that that you know that is certainly not the way to go about it people um so after that time obviously the, the you know the police the police cars are there the ambulance is there i then get taken to a psychiatric ward and i, I then spent the next uh, the next month basically in psychiatric wards both in italy and back in the uk and it was really clear that uh, i was about to be given uh, a diagnosis of bipolar so now we're in um now we're now back in the UK. Fortunately, I uh, had some great British nurses that flew out to bring me back. And uh, and then, uh, like I said, I then get the diagnosis of uh, bipolar disorder in, um, in July 2012. Wow. So like I said before, Peak Refuel is a new company making freeze-dried food. And it's literally the best freeze-dried meals I've ever had. You can use it for backpacking, camping, hunting, whatever you want to use it for. And these folks are the real deal. They spent over two years researching the market and creating the perfect recipes, and it is just absolutely awesome. I used the meals on my last guided trip, and the people on the trip could not even believe that it was freeze-dried food. Literally, you put a cup of water in it. It's like a cup or a cup and a half. It's, it's not very much water. And it tastes like it came from a restaurant. That's how good it is. If you're interested in ordering some yourself, you can get 20% off by going to peakrefuel.com and use ASP20 at checkout. I encourage you, go get some, try it for yourself. It's amazing. The Adventure Sports Podcast is also brought to you by Powder 7 Ski Shop. Powder 7 is Colorado's premier homegrown and family-owned ski shop. Online at powder7.com, they offer a huge selection of new and used ski gear, plus full tech and boot fitting services at their shop in Golden. With personalized customer service, they set up skiers from all over the world with perfect gear. From brands like Kessley, Rosignol, Black Crows, and Head, Powder 7 is all skiing all the time. So check out powder7.com to learn more. Now, back to the episode. So, this is a, a perfect description of what can happen with bipolar disorder. And, you Big know, time. you're still a man out there changing the world, but this time, I think, uh, maybe not quite so manic. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. I, I like to think now that after five years since then, I, I've definitely learned one or two things. And, and hey, it's, it's a condition that you've got to live with for life. But yeah, uh, I, you know, thank you for the kind words. And it's really nice, it's really nice to, to have you right beside me, Curtis, as I approach things a little bit differently these days and try to do things with a little bit more um, decorum. Sure. <laughs> a li- and right. a little bit Instead more, of blocking uh, traffic in the middle of rush hour and taking off yeah. your clothes, right? <laughs> yeah exactly exactly not 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 to be recommended not to be no. recommended well the one of the biggest <laughs> challenges of the bipolar disorder is mm-hmm. that the other side of the spectrum is once you're you're off your high then you enter the very deepest of lows and so i yep. know after your episode in italy you entered into a depressed state that had to just be horrible yeah yeah, it was a it was a pretty dark time. It was a pretty dark time. Um, and if you can just imagine, Curtis, or any any of you guys listening to this right now, imagine if you woke up tomorrow morning and you genuinely believed that you were the chosen one. You had all the answers. You had so much conviction in every single every single atom going through your body. You had so much belief and self confidence in everything that you represented. And then you wake up a month later, having been pumped full of drugs just to slow you down and make you eat and sleep and eat and sleep and eat and sleep and slow yourself down. Imagine them waking up and realizing all of that was just unreal. It wasn't reality. And so you start questioning yourself. And then you start questioning everything. The whole reason for being here, you know, just, just, the whole reason for being alive what's the point what is the purpose of being on the planet and and going down to the macro level i had so much fear in every single word that was leaving my mouth because i didn't have any conviction in myself anymore i didn't believe myself i couldn't trust myself and and obviously it was a, it was a pretty it was such a dark time it really was um I'm, i am fine over here curtis and just taking a breath um it was so dark. It was so dark. And the medication was just, it took, it took me basically three years to find the right medication that would work for me. And there were some desperately terrible periods where I was being given medication and I couldn't feel anything. I wasn't even sad. I wasn't sad, but I couldn't smile. I couldn't cry. I couldn't laugh. I couldn't giggle. I couldn't weep. Mm. And I was just empty. And it was the darkest time. And that was that was the worst part when I couldn't feel any emotion because th- these these drugs just weren't quite working for me at that time. But to turn this back into a positive, Curtis, I'm now speaking to you in the summer of 2017, and I couldn't be any happier with my lot. I couldn't be happier with the people around me and the love and support and professional guidance that I've been given. Um, and like I said, it, you know, it's all about the people. It's all about the people. But, you know, with time and f- building great people around you and being kind to yourself, discarding anything which just isn't helping you, whether that's responsibilities or, for me, physical possessions. I got rid of things which were, just weren't adding value to my life. I basically started this process of simplifying my life. and actually discovered a movement called minimalism, which really does work for me and my mental health, which is basically the practice of discarding anything which doesn't add value to life. I want to just rewind a little bit because I want to sure. come back to minimalism because I think that it's an amazing approach to living. But first, I wanted to say thank you for sharing with us in, in such a oh, real way oh, you thanks, know, the experience yeah. that, you've, that you've had and being that open with us. I know that there are others out there who are looking for some hope and mm-hmm. some direction and what to do, and hearing your story can help to give them uh, maybe some insights that can help to lead them to that better life that you're now describing. Sure. And uh, let's come back to minimalism in a minute, but I want to tie this in first to how this led to this epic run. <laughs> and the por- the purpose of the run, really, is to build awareness about uh-huh. depression, and not just bipolar, right, but yeah. uh, struggles that all people have, right? So tell us more about how it, it led to this run and then I also want to talk about the organization that you're working with, which is Calm, C-A-L-M. Yeah, I'm on the process of recovery. So, you know, I'm feeling much fresher about myself in 2013. We're then going through 2014, 15. I'm feeling really positive again. And uh, I really felt like I could 
take on a big adventure at some point to not just use it as an adventure challenge because I've always fancied doing one, but could I use could I use adventure as a platform to share my story? And could I use it to raise awareness about a charity that I'm super passionate about and ultimately to show other people with mental health issues that we can absolutely live life to the full and get out there and do these things with the right love and professional guidance and time and, and all that other stuff around us. And so um, one of my graduate jobs, actually, Curtis, was spending a lot of time on Google Earth. So I was a researcher researching sports facilities for a couple of years. And I used to spend so much time looking at Google Earth and thinking, or just looking at the Earth as, as a big playground. And so it was actually a few years ago where I, where I first came up with the idea of doing an adventure at some point. Um, so obviously, through my experiences with mental health and just being really open about my experiences, I thought, you know what, if I can fuse the two together, if I can bring together my passion for sport and adventure uh, with the mental health stuff as well, then I could really do something here. And so it was actually January 2016, just now, where I committed to this idea. And obviously, the, the, the link with Italy is, is Rome. So I just started thinking, OK, I want to do something tying in Rome uh, or Italy as a country, just because that is where I have my manic episode. Um, so then I thought, Rome, Rome to home, ah, Rome to home. And then that just stuck with me. And so from yeah, January 2016 till now, I haven't gone a day without thinking about it. Um, and here I am now, four months away from standing at the Colosseum. And I just can't wait to get started on August the 25th. And I'm going to have my family around next to me and I'm going to be looking north uh, and just being really excited to basically use this adventure that I'm taking on uh, to share much more of this, Curtis, really, probably with less blabbering. Sorry about that. Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I'll be a bit more succinct then, hopefully. Um, but uh, use this adventure as a platform to share my story because, you know, uh, advent- you know, adventure running or taking on these things do definitely shine a spotlight on the individual. Um, but this certainly isn't about me. So, yeah, the reasons for taking on the adventure are, of course, the adventure in its own right is super exciting. But this is absolutely as much uh, an awareness raising challenge as it is an adventure challenge. And so you mentioned the charity that I'm linked with for this um, uh, particular project. And uh, they are called CALM, C-A-L-M, which stands for the Campaign Against Living Miserably. Now, these guys, they've been going for 13 years or so. They're going through a major transition at the moment from uh, just their expansion is just really, really inspiring and the first time i heard about this charity um bearing in mind that their mission is just dedicated to preventing male suicide ultimately by keeping men alive by talking i thought man this is this is it these are my guys and so i'm actually looking at this project it's not like a charity partnership this isn't just a fundraising page where i want people to donate with i want people to engage with what they're doing because they're the charity that resonates with me to my core and you know that the whole ethos of just getting guys talking about their mental health is what this adventure is all about curtis so yeah i'm really excited to to see what magic i can do over the 65 days that i'm running do you have plans during your 65 day journey uh to stop off and and visit or speak as you go along the way or is it just yeah. a matter of just trying to draw more attention to what you're doing so that you can build awareness yeah i mean yeah uh it's very much the second part, really. I mean, since, since I uh, committed to, the, to doing this challenge, um, it's predominantly based around me completing this adventure, Touchwood, all being well, and sharing my story and shining a spotlight on Calm as a charity. But yeah, over the past couple of months, you know, I've had some great uh, suggestions from um, the wonderful friends and family that I have around me uh, about, you know, Dan, this is an awareness raising challenge. Let's see what institutions I could stop by on the way and to shine a spotlight on what they're doing as well. And what's been really interesting about that is that there are actually a, a fair number of uh, different community projects and uh, various charity bases along the route that I'm running, which I can tell you a bit more about in a minute. But much more than that, Curtis, even telling people what I'm doing and the reasons for I'm doing it, people are opening up to me and telling me their stories. They're saying, you know, I know a family member or a friend who's struggling with this issue right now. I think what you're doing and shining a spotlight and just normalizing the conversation, for example, um, is really beneficial. And um, all you listeners out there, Curtis was actually really kind to me just before we came on air, just to tell me a little bit about uh, um, a relationship that you had, Curtis. So, I mean, I don't know how happy you are to just explain a little bit about your experiences with your loved ones and mental health. Oh, sure. In way of example of what you're talking about um when you are willing to broach the topic and and open up the door then p- 
people all know somebody, like you were saying, and by getting the conversation started and building that awareness and normalizing mm-hmm. the conversation, it allows people to get the encouragement and the help and the courage to yeah. uh, to overcome these challenges. And yeah. you know, we've had a lot of people on the show have had challenges um, of of all sorts, including. Mm-hmm. Uh, a wonderful gentleman who climbed Everest with only one leg or, I saw, yeah. you know, a gentleman who is a paraplegic and yet runs an organization to teach adventure sports to other people mm-hmm. with physical challenges and disabilities. So we are, we're just so much behind that. The The story that I shared was something that I experienced as a kid. Uh, we had mm-hmm. a friend of the family from the extended family who was uh, really struggling with bipolar and they were not able to get his medications balanced, and he may have been resisting, I'm not sure, but it was such a a huge thing in his life, he decided to try to write a book about it to build more awareness. And so he was writing the book by recording into a tape recorder his experiences, and my mom was transcribing from the tape recorder through the typewriter <laughs> to complete the book. And so as he was recording, he would be going through a manic episode, and then perhaps later as he was recording, he would be going through a depressive episode. And mm-hmm. to hear the the challenges that he was facing just in conversing, it was, it was amazing. But yeah. his challenge especially was when he would go into the manic side, he had an element of paranoia that would come in, and that caused mm-hmm. him to get in trouble with the police. And yeah. it was a tragic ending, ultimately— he was barricaded in his house during one of these these challenging episodes with the police surrounding him. And I don't remember exactly what happened, but it may have been some tear gas that went awry, but somehow he did not survive the ordeal. And it impacted me so much as a, as a young man to say, wow, people are dealing with some very real things that can lead to some real tragic outcomes if they can't reach out and uh, get the proper help and support that they need. So that's my little story for what it's worth. But uh, I think that's that's what this is about, right? Yeah, absolutely. And this is it. This is exactly it. And thank you so much for sharing, Curtis. Thank you. It's a real gift to to have, uh, yeah, for you to have uh, shared that with me. Well, you know, the way I see it is that if your challenge is mental, or if your challenge is uh, perhaps obesity, or if your challenge is a physical. Uh, disability, then it doesn't really matter. The bottom line is we all have to overcome adversity. And yeah. and there's no such thing as normal or abnormal really in the world. It's a reality of we are all people that have challenges that we have to overcome to live a better Absolutely. life and to make a difference for others. And so thank you so much for coming forward, just stepping up to the plate and sharing your story. It's a beautiful thing you're doing here. By now, you certainly know who Bent Gate is. That's for a great reason. Bent Gate Mountaineering has been sponsoring the Adventure Sports Podcast almost from the beginning, and we really appreciate that. They've made it possible for all the great shows to continue coming your way. We want to say thanks by reminding you to go to them for your backcountry gear. If you live in Colorado, then just stop by their store in Golden. If not, go to bentgate.com. They have what you need from the latest ultralight gear to the tried and true classics for climbing, hiking, and camping, like Arcteryx, Hilleberg, Nemo, Western Mountaineering, and many more. Need advice? They have you covered there, too. Their staff are passionate adventurers who can offer help from their own experiences. Bentgate also hosts lots of events and speakers. Check out their website to see the schedule and to see all of their products. Help take care of the Adventure Sports Podcast by getting your gear from Bentgate Mountaineering. This is Colorado nature photographer John Fielder with a great idea for gifting our state this season. Don't get mad at me. My latest Colorado book actually takes the color out of colorful Colorado. Carpets of purple columbine, forests of yellow aspens, and buff-colored herds of elk are rendered in black, white, and gray. You'll be mesmerized by the edges, shapes, and textures of our most beautiful of states. You'll love it. Visit johnfielder.com to see my new book, Colorado Black on White. That's johnfielder.com.
Just as a bit of a side note, Curtis, last summer I got the opportunity to speak at this uh, this really positive festival uh, over here in the UK called Yesterval. So it's about people saying yes to these big experiences. So I got the opportunity to talk there. And uh, I actually started uh, my talk at the time speaking about this analogy where I, where I really love the film Cars by Disney Pixar with Lightning McQueen because he is this rookie racing car, you know, and he tries to go out there and tries to do it all by himself. And, you know, he never stops for fuel. He doesn't stop for tires, you know, tries to just live like you know just literally be this rookie dude like just trying to take on the world by himself and then he has this showdown race a couple of weeks later and he oh he gets lost along the way and he gets forced to, to slow down and build a great team of people around him and you know i'm not going to ruin the film for anybody but you've got to watch it because it's all about building a great team of people around you and i you know i must have watched that film 60 70 times i'm not even kidding and you know this this is this has been and is a team effort you know Rome time is a self-supported adventure it's 1250 miles predominantly by myself even though i've got a couple of friends joining me at different different stages but it's a team effort there's no way that i could be standing here today had it not be for the support of my incredible wife my amazing mother and my my brother and sister and all my siblings and cousins and and i know how lucky i am i know that everybody doesn't have that privilege um you know but it is a team effort and there's no way that you can do these things solo and actually there's there's your answer for the marathon (laughs) there you go yeah there you go you've got to have you know you know just listen to the advice of people who are smarter than you is a really good is a really good tip you know build yourself build yourself a good team around you and and you'll definitely go places um so yeah it's really exciting now that i'm four months away and like i said i couldn't i couldn't do it without the the people around me to get me to where i am well let's uh dive a little bit into what training you're doing right now to prepare for this epic journey i mean it's it's got to be something yeah no for sure i mean i'm i i think a lot of it's just been the conditioning because quite honestly up until a year ago i hadn't been really running with uh, a backpack at all not really and so the past nine months have all been about getting the extra weight in the backpack and that's not to say that i'm going to be carrying masses with me but you know running with a running with a backpack with eight nine ten kilograms you know it's going to have effects on your body so i feel in a really strong place just by having increased the mileage steadily with the loaded backpack. Um, I mentioned that I live in Seven Oaks in Kent. So I'm really fortunate that not only do I have access to the South Downs and, you know, the glorious countryside we have down there with the rolling coastline, um, but it doesn't take much for me to just head west uh, out to Wales. And I was actually over there this week running over the Brecon Beacons, um, which is just a glorious place to be because the trails are just endless. Um, But also London and actually, you know, getting used to running in a city environment as well so geographically i feel really privileged to to be where we are having access to um these different terrains um and from a training point of view it has very much been about you know getting used to being out there by yourself with the weighted backpack looking after yourself and also not overtraining because there's only so many mileage in, in all of our legs. And so I'm comfortably up to, you know, 15, 16 miles now. When I am running Rome to Home Cut, I'm going to be uh, looking for roughly 25 miles a day. Mm. Now, if I, had to go, if I had to go and start this tomorrow, I feel like I could give it a really good shot. I feel like I'm in a great place. And the other thing with Rome to Home to remember is this isn't 25 miles in one shot day in day out i've got all day to do that so if i if i have to be kind to myself and have a long lunch you know to sit out the midday heat i'm absolutely going to do that if i need to pull over and have a nap uh with the with small tent that i'm going to be taking with me then I, i've got no problems with that so i'm not looking i'm not looking to break any speed records with what i'm doing i'm not looking to break any guinness world records who knows i might be the first person with bipolar to do this self-supporting who knows <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know I've, I've really got to look after myself on this adventure so um a big part of my training has actually been to be kind to myself you know don't put too much pressure on myself with the social media or you know just all these added add-ons that i could be trying to achieve with what i'm trying to do um ultimately i'm just trying to be easy on myself be kind to my body listen to the professional advice i'm checking in with the physio uh, they've been fantastic and and just generally getting my body used to the fact that i'm going to be running day in day out and doing this mileage but i feel in a really great place curtis and um you know i've got uh, a couple of friends who work in um you know in the sort of they are physios and you know i've got a podiatrist i've linked up with so i've been really lucky to uh, to reach out to these people and uh, and salomon as well i've got to mention them they've been just fantastic advocates of what i'm trying to do with this challenge and so uh, i'll be kitted up with salomon when i take on this adventure as well 
Oh, very cool. Are you planning yeah. on taking entire rest days periodically, or is it just going to be see how far I can make it each day? Yeah, so the 65 days does actually include five rest days. So if I were to take a complete rest day, which I don't think I'll do, to be honest, because I know I know what I'm like, I'll, I'll be wanting to at least walk, you know, 10 miles, even on a on an easy day. Um, so yeah, my my 65 days does include five rest days. If I had to completely stop, that's not a problem. Um, but uh, with that time scale, I can go easy on myself. And, and quite honestly, you know, if I'm doing 20 miles a day, then uh, then I'll, I'll be in good shape and I'll, I'll be arriving back at the London Eye uh, well in good time. Um, and so just about the terrain, Curtis, you know, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, so I'm going to be starting at the Coliseum. I'm going to be heading north out of the city. Then I'm looking up, you know, rolling up the uh, Tuscany countryside, crossing the spine of Italy, mm. heading up to the Alps at the Aosta Valley, up and over the top at the Great St. Bernard Pass, dropping into Lake Geneva. And then uh, there's going to be a bit of a shift when I, I head from uh, Lake Geneva up to Paris. So, of course, it's going to be pretty flat. So, you know, I'm going to be lining up so many episodes of the Adventure Sports podcast to listen to <laughs> <laughs> to keep me ticking along. Um, I'll be crossing the channel to New Haven, which is right by Brighton on the south coast. Of course, it's Rome to home. Uh, and then I'll be kicking around my home county, stopping by my old secondary school, giving a talk with all the pupils there, getting as many of them to run a mile with me as well. And then I'm going to be heading north to finish up the London Eye towards the end of October. And as I talk about that, you know, it's just so exciting. And, you know, my laptop's open in the corner. I can see my route mapped out on Google Earth, Curtis. And it's just really nice to feel that you're going to be there with me. And I'm going to have so many people with me in spirit. You know, it's a self-supported adventure. But, you know, I'm going to meet so many amazing people along the way. Well, how can people learn more? You mentioned your your route being mapped out. So it's roamtohome.com. Is that the best way for people to track with you? Absolutely. RomeToHome.com. Yeah. yeah. If people want to donate and check out my fundraising page, that's RomeToHome.com slash donate. Um, and I'm pretty much on every social media channel at I am Dan Keeley. Uh, or you can just punch in Rome to Home with Dan Keeley on Facebook and you'll find me there. But yeah, if anybody wants to go to RomeToHome.com, uh, you'll get my latest blog posts. You'll see the the route. Um, you'll see the fundraising page. You'll get more detail about why I'm taking on the adventure. Um, and of course, you'll have all the links to these amazing, amazing podcasts that I'm being featured on. None more so than this one, Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> so Calm is the organization for which you're raising money as a part yeah. of this race. And uh-huh. do you have any expectations or goals for how much money you may be able to raise doing this? Yeah, well, obviously, with the statistic of 12 guys taking their own life every single day in the UK, I wanted to tie that into my adventure. And I really want to stitch that into the fabric of what I'm doing. So from a fundraising point of view, I've actually been asking as many people as possible just to donate 12 pounds, you know, one pound for every guy who takes his own life every single day Mm. in the uk what i've actually seen is far more generous donations it's just been unbelievable i've had the fundraising page live for one week and it's raised over 500 pounds which has just been amazing my ultimate targets were initially to have it as twelve thousand pounds just to tie that in but i thought come on i can do this you know i'm really confident in my abilities to spread this message with thanks to you guys uh pounds absolutely feels right to me you know it feels like that will have a huge impact on the work that they do and they have to cover uh their overheads are relatively small as as a charity, but they do have to keep their hotlines open, you know, the web chat service. And these services genuinely do save lives. So if we can raise 24 grand, man, I'm going to be so happy with that. And uh, I really wanted to see if I can even smash that, Kurt. You know, I've got high hopes for this. So if anybody wants to engage with that, head on over to roamtohome.com and, and please just join me for the journey because, um, you know, we really can save guys' lives with this. Yeah, absolutely. What a beautiful thing to do, and thanks for sharing it with us. And you heard them, listeners, 12 pounds or more, (laughs) right, or more. Um, But you could make a difference, and it's not just about people in the U.K. I have to point that out. This is a worldwide thing, but if we can um, pull in here behind Dan Keeley and support (laughs) his effort and build awareness then that awareness will grow around the planet. And I think that it's a very worthwhile cause. Dan, so cool. I told you I was going to come back to minimalism, and we don't have a lot of time (laughs) left, but I do want to hear about minimalism a little bit. I think that it's been an undercurrent in our show because Mm -hmm. so many of our guests have learned that minimalism is what affords them the flexibility to do the wonderful adventures that they do. So real briefly, what is minimalism and how has that helped you? 
Yeah, of course. No, thank, thanks for going back to this. Just really briefly. So um, a best, place, a really good place to start, guys, is to check out the minimalists.com. They're, they're basically leading the way with the whole movement. So minimalism ultimately is a lifestyle practice to rid yourself of any excess. So whether that's material possessions or relationships even or responsibilities or anything which doesn't really add value to your life. So the practice really ultimately is to minimize the amount of stuff that limits you from spending as much time and energy and focus as possible on the things which really matter the most. So for me, that's my health, relationships, my passions, growth, and contributions. And so if I can eliminate as many things around me as possible to spend as much time doing that stuff, then then for me, that's hugely benefited me uh, mentally. You know, you're getting, you're discarding anything which just doesn't add value. And ultimately, so you can spend as much time and focus doing the important things. And of course, from a material possessions point of view, you know, so many of your listeners um, will know that, you know, if you can knuckle your kit down to the essentials, then ultimately, you're going to feel lighter. And it means you can travel further with more enjoyment and a more and a bigger smile on your face. So let's tr- let's just try and see if we can discard a few things and uh, yeah, have a bit more of a spring in our step as we get as we uh, get out there and have some fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for that. You know, I'm glad you gave that perfect definition of what it is. I, I'm a I'm a believer in minimalism, though I, I can't claim to be a great practitioner yet. We keep trying, uh-huh. right? It, but it's a it's a journey, and. It is. The thing that's so beautiful about it is that it flies in the face of this Western um, consumerism-type approach to living, which more and more people are realizing doesn't satisfy, right? Uh It's not an answer. More stuff doesn't make us happier. It doesn't bring us more joy. And uh, what you've found is that by simplifying, it allows you opportunities to do something so much more beyond yourself. And so what you're doing here with this Rome to Home Run, raising money for Calm, uh, working with the Snow Sports Youth Charity, Snow Camp, all of these things, making differences in others' lives because you've chosen to have a little less selfish life of your own. So (laughs) what an example. Thank you, Dan. We appreciate that. Thank you, Curtis. And thank you also for your time and your candidness being on the Adventure Sports Podcast today. Yeah, it's been a real pleasure. Can't wait to keep you guys posted. Thanks so much. Uh, You bet, and we will be in touch and uh, following you online as you take off on your journey. And so all the best. We we wish you Godspeed, and may the wind be at your back. Thanks so much. Love to you all. Thank you, Curtis. You bet. And for all of our listeners out there, you know what I'm going to say, but now you know a little bit more about what it means. Get out there. Have some fun. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much for listening. If you know somebody that would make a good guest on the show, or if you have a pretty cool story about the outdoors or adventure sports that you want to tell us, please call us and leave a voicemail at 812-MAIL-POD. That is 812-624-5763. You can also send us an email at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. Again, it is always helpful to leave us a review on iTunes. And if you'd like to be a supporter of the show, you can give five bucks a month at patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast and links for all that stuff is also in the show notes. So thanks again for listening and y'all get out there and do something so you can be on the show one day. All right, later. Don't forget if you want to save 20% off the best backpacking food you're ever going to eat, go to peakrefuel.com and use ASP 20 at checkout.